0: They say poker is a hard way to make an easy living. This is the podcast about people that make poker work for them. This is MidStakes Living.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of MidStakes Living brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com. Derek here with you as always and I'm joined by my Co-host from across the pond, Matt Hunt. How are you, buddy?
2: Very well, very well, Derek. How are you doing?
1: Actually, are you across the pond right now? I'm not even sure where you I are am. in the world. Yeah, no,
2: I'm so in stuff. I'm in the UK for another month or so. Then I'm heading off to uh, heading off to Prague for a couple of weeks, and then I should be back in the US um, sometime around February or so. And that might actually be a, a long term thing. So, um, so that's gonna be fun. Ah.
1: Do you, what part of the US are you gonna be um, staying?
2: We'll, and... we'll be in Nevada. First of all, um, Vegas or the surrounding area. Um, although there's a chance we might spend a couple of months in Canada beforehand if I still need to get on the online grind for a little while. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's, um, coming to the end of my last month living in the long, in the UK, uh, permanently, which, uh, to be honest, I, um, I don't know how much I'm going to miss it. You know, I'm excited to get to, uh, excited to get to the U.S. I've had a lot of good times in the U.S. and, uh, yeah, it's going to be good to start a new chapter. So it's all good.
1: Nice. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing you in Vegas this summer again. For Absolutely.
2: Sure. We will do. Yeah, we will do.
1: Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the action. Very excited today uh, to have um, – is this our first – no, this isn't our first WSOP bracelet winner, is it? Uh, it, so.
2: it, it surely can't be.
1: Yeah, I no. I, I,
2: can't, I can't think back. I know we've had EPT winners and we've had like – I don't know. I just assume we have had somebody because we must have done. We've done, like, what, 30 episodes now? I don't know. Yeah, yeah something like that. But
0: <laughs> <a little laughs> probably some bracelet winner in there. You don't even know about it. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> but he's definitely he's definitely our guest with the biggest
2: beard, I think. So we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, give yeah, him that title. a pretty big distinction.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll give him that title at the very least. So uh, our guest today is Chase Bianchi, uh, MTT Grinder. But also you play a bunch of cash, too, right, Chase?
0: I do. Uh, I would I would primarily say I'm a cash game player. Oh, I okay. would say okay. that. Though. And then I look back in my year and I got, like, Way more hours in tournaments somehow. It's because you're
1: stuck. You're just well, not stuck. Yeah, I can't leave financially, but, <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're you're literally stuck in the tournament. It happened to me last night actually. I I was regging and I just decided to fire a for some reason a three dollar five hundred guaranteed on ACR. Oh, so bad I, idea. And it was the last thing I was in, so I decided to try to punt it. And you know how oh, that always goes. Oh, <laughs> man, I knew I had like 200, 200 big blinds. Yeah.
2: So I played trying, till 630 in the morning. Tournament is the best route to building a big stack, I swear. Exactly. Just ask if we win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. <laughs> uh, is a nice little uh, segue into, uh, into the fact that, I mean, I suppose we can't not mention the final table after, we, uh, after we've just, uh, just seen it happen recently. So, Chase, did you have any thoughts on uh, what we've just seen the last couple of days?
0: Sure, I got some thoughts. I thought Kui Wen actually played quite well. I always say every year, why don't these pros, like, put a little gas in the tank and fire in some bets here? They always play it so conservative, mm-hmm. which is understandable given the pay jumps, but I thought Kui Wen, like, executed a great plan of just firing away.
2: Uh-huh. I actually didn't get yeah. to watch it since it's, uh, the time zone is pretty inconvenient for us here in the UK, but... um but I certainly heard there were a lot of opinions people had about, um, about some of the heads up play and, and some of the, you know, some of the plays that Kui Wen made. Um, so it, it's interesting to, to see that, you know, we've had, I guess the, the first time for a while that someone who I'm, I, I, I gather is, is more of a recreational player has, um, has, has taken it down. Um, but, uh, were you surprised to see that, uh, Johnny Bax didn't manage to take it down there with the big chip lead he had coming in?
0: Um, not, not terribly surprised. I mean, I think can go a number of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. the cards helped win a lot, like a lot, a lot, especially heads up. It probably made him look much better than he was. And it made Veo look much worse than he was.
3: Right. Okay. I don't
0: think Veo executed a great strategy, but him like losing two thirds of the pots heads up, it's pretty hard to overcome.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. always pretty tough to win when that, uh, when that scenario, uh, comes up. So, uh, so you had a pretty good world series yourself this summer, huh?
0: Yeah, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, not
2: just the that. one, just the one bracelet. So, uh, how did that feel? Yeah,
0: really blessed. Uh, it was incredible. I mean, it's like that pinnacle of the poker world that you like. I'm, I'm a while into my poker career. You know, I've been playing off and on professionally for eight years. So. You dream when, especially young in your career, you're like, man, I'm going to win a gold bracelet. I'm going to win eight of them by the time I'm 40. And then yeah. you get like six years into the World Series and you're like, I've cashed in like seven events. I've you know, <laughs> I've never made a final table. And it's just like this unattainable thing. You kind of just go, well, maybe one day. But to actually have it happen, it's just I was in shock for a couple of weeks. It was yeah, amazing. I,
2: I, yeah, I know. I remember the reactions from some of the guys who won bracelets. I remember, you know, Ryan LaPlante and some of the other guys who were first time bracelet winners. Um, it it does seem like it just kind of doesn't feel real for a while. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, I think that's totally accurate. I actually had to talk to some of my friends. I'm like, man, I, I it seems like this should be a way bigger deal than it it feels <laughs> like in my heart. You know, like yeah, this you know. supposed to change of my life.
1: <laughs> do, do you find yourself? I, I've always wanted this for some reason. Like, I feel like if I won a WSOP bracelet I would look at it all the
3: time <laughs>
1: like at some point do you just finally just put it away and never look at the thing anymore or yeah I, 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 I feel like I would take it out and just to go yep still got it
0: <laughs> <laughs> if if I didn't have a twitch stream and it wasn't sitting on my shelf I don't know if I'd look at it very much uh, but it yeah. is out on display for for the fans nice yeah that's awesome
2: for the fans you gotta do it for the fans I think um it's pretty tough to resist the temptation to at least have it on display somewhere so you can just walk past it every day. You know, I, It's tough to just put it in a drawer somewhere and forget about it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's at least got to be on a shelf somewhere.
2: Uh, I, I can't imagine how guys end up pawning their –
1: like you hear all these guys pawning their bracelets and stuff. I don't know how yeah. you ever get yeah. to that point.
0: Yeah, something has to go really wrong after after <laughs> you went to pawn them for like – I think the melt value is like $700 to $1,000, something like that. Yeah, oh, really? I'll, no, I'll keep the it's bracelet. not even
2: that much like – I, that just seems like you'd have to be pretty broke to get to that point.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'll let you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I was
0: I was joking about doing a bankroll challenge on Twitch, and one of my viewers hit me with uh, a really good one liner. He's like, "Oh, so the challenge is see how fast you can lose your bankroll." I was like, well played. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it seems to be the way those bankroll challenges often go.
0: Yeah, yeah, like
1: oh, I've started with a hundred. Oh, got a dollar fifty left.
2: Yeah, well, the, yes. best, the best way to ensure that the best way to ensure you can't lose a, a big bankroll is to start with a really tiny one. So start with like ten bucks and try to yeah. try to build up ten bucks to like one k or something, and then nobody can be like, oh, you lost your whole bankroll, you fish. Because you can just <laughs> lose ten bucks, start again, do a new challenge. You know,
1: I've thought about doing a bankroll challenge on Twitch, but it's hard in America because we don't have like twenty five cent one eighty mans and stuff. Right, to grind.
2: right. You guys have got it like
1: we're, we're, Yeah, we're pretty much stuck. I mean, I, I think the lowest you could really play is like maybe like $3 tournaments or something.
0: Yeah. Well, especially on the far. tournament front. I think you could do it on a like Micro 6 cash game level.
2: Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. What's the lowest oh, I might... cash games you
0: guys have? Gosh, I don't even know. I don't really look at that tab on the browser. I imagine there's like $0.01, cent, $0.02, cent, but I'm not Probably
2: really sure. Is, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, I think but... WSOP.com in Nevada has $0.01, cent, $0.02. Cent. I mean, my wife was playing it a while back. Ooh, how was she <laughs> well, she was, I was trying to teach her for a little while. Cause she, she got this sudden enthusiasm, I think while we were in Vegas, but then once we got back to the UK, she, she lost the enthusiasm pretty quickly. So, uh, I don't think ah. it ever, I don't think it ever really stuck, which is a shame, but may, who knows, maybe it'll hit again once we get back there. There you go.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about your background chase. Like how you've been said. you said you've been playing since what, like 2008?
0: Uh, yeah, probably around there. Um, do you want, just like my, how I got into poker? Yeah, sort yeah. of
1: generally, like, you know, you kind of hear this, the standard stories, like, while well, I was in college, and I started playing home <laughs> games with friends, so I'm just kind of curious if yours is a little bit different, path. Uh,
0: I have a fairly standard story, like, started playing in high school with my buddies on the baseball team, and the the baseball moms of the kids were like, oh, haha, ha, Chase has a summer job, because I'd always beat him out of the, like, a <laughs> 5 or $10 home game. Mm-hmm. So, then just went on from there, and played a little bit online, but, you know, it didn't get that into it uh but then i moved to my dad moved to the just outside of seattle and gambling at his 18 there and i was like 18 and had nothing going on so i moved out there to work in a card room and uh, played a little bit and you know just slowly was making more money playing than working and boom but, you know a couple of times i like lost my dealing job and all of a sudden i was thrown into a professional poker player unwillingly
2: uh-huh so before you know it, you're a pro without even really trying,
0: you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went bust plenty of times.
2: Uh
1: huh. And and you started out playing mostly live, or were you were you grinding online at that time too?
0: I was playing both back then. I I really think that longevity in poker, you really need to uh, branch out and not do the same thing every day. And at least for me, it breaks up the monotony of it. So I would play probably like two days a week online, and then like two to three days a week live. And mix up, like, cash games, uh, mostly cash games live, the occasional tournament, and then tournaments online.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a good approach. I wish I had a little more, like, flexibility in my... Sk- well, I have the flexibility, I just don't have the variety. I, I, haven't, I don't take up the variety. And, well, it doesn't help that we don't have card rooms here.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, like, underground games are the option if you want to get out. But that's not necessarily, like... Healthy or <laughs> legal or <laughs> safe, <laughs> or, or in general,
2: just in uh, in most ways.
1: Yeah, so yeah, it's kind of cool that you have the opportunity to, to to split up your schedule that way. And you're married, mm-hmm. correct?
0: I am. Yes. So I- that,
1: like, were you? married when you started playing poker well no you said you were like 18 or something right so yeah I was young
0: players. single stupid making bad life decisions the whole deal <laughs> you know?
1: so she she chose to marry a professional poker player
0: <laughs> she did uh, so my wife I met her in high school and like always had a thing for her but we never got together so I always tell my friends I met her in high school and then like 12 years later I had her <laughs> did Play you use the friends. bracelet
1: as a pickup line <laughs> No, she loved me before I
0: had my bracelet. I know it's true. <laughs> that
2: would be that would be a pretty su- suspicious story if it was like it, it didn't happen for twelve years and then you win a bracelet and it's like oh I had this sudden realization I, <laughs> I don't want to marry you. You know that would be that would be a pretty uh, pretty awkward one.
0: That'd be fantastic.
2: So you
1: uh, were you were you playing online pre Black Friday? Then
0: I was yeah quite a bit. I had pretty good success online, mostly tournaments.
1: Yeah, and then what? Like when Black Friday hit, were you one of these people who were like, "Well, I just give up on poker" or I maybe did you consider moving overseas to play or anything like that?
0: Yeah, Black Friday was pretty tough. I moved so in Seattle, I played quite a bit live, and the live scene in Seattle, at least back then, was pretty good. But right before Black Friday, I moved back to Colorado because my my grandma wasn't doing well and I had to take care of some family stuff. So, I moved back to Colorado where there's like very little live poker and like that black friday. I'm like, oh great. Wow. <laughs> you know, that was really my only reasonable income source. So, I was pretty screwed. I got a you know, but at the same time I I started dating my wife and we really hit it off. So, I, you know, I gave up poker and got a wife out of it and it wasn't a bad trade.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not a bad trade at all. I would take that. I mean, not for your wife, <laughs> but for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> So, you, but you never considered like moving to Mexico or going to Canada, anything like that? Or do you still consider that to this day?
0: I gave it some thought, but uh, I, I think I just too highly value family. And uh, I, I certainly wouldn't do it any right now because, you know, we have a life here. My wife is here. Uh, not that we couldn't relocate, but it probably doesn't make sense for us. Maybe down the road, if, uh, if things really take a bad turn in the Americas for poker in general. Mm-hmm. But there's still going to be live games in America, so I'm not too worried about it. It would be fun to fire up the online grind again, though, like mm-hmm. legit, yeah. Well, like like the Matt interesting does. Thing
2: about it, uh, this is a bit of a segue, or I guess, a little bit. But um, even if you're from the states, immigrating to Canada long term is much harder than people might think. Um, and a lot of the poker players who've, uh, and I say this because I've, my wife and I have been looking into ways to do it recently because we love Canada. Um, but uh, a lot of the poker players that have moved there since Black Friday, um, I think U.S. citizens are allowed six months in Canada on a tourist visa or, or just without a visa. Um, but a lot of the guys who've been moving there, there's a lot of ambiguity there about whether they're actually allowed to be there for the length of time that they have been. Like the guys who've been just basically moving there and getting an apartment and staying there, mm-hmm. it's like if they weren't poker players – they might have some questions to answer about like what their immigration status is, but because they're not actually having to get a job, nobody's asking any questions. So they're just staying there. So it's right. from my perspective, um, you know, from someone who's looking to be able to get there to the point where my wife can get a job or something like that. It's, it's actually pretty, pretty interesting to see so many poker players moving, but, but actually I've run into the barriers. So there's, there's some guys out there who, who might be looking into it. And, and if there are anybody, if there is anybody listening, uh, any of our listeners, thinking about being a US citizen who moves to, to Canada to play online, it's uh it's tougher than you might think. So that's a little bit of advice for people out there.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah I don't I, I actually looked into it very briefly recently and uh I was very intimidated quickly and just kind of backed away. I was like oh, <laughs> yeah. never
2: mind. Yeah, I'll Canada has America. a lot of regulations.
1: Yeah, I think the easier way to go is probably just to like almost do it on like a vacation basis. So just yeah. like you know, if you want to go play scoops and W coops, and maybe like the occasional long weekend of tournaments
2: or something. Yeah, and that's just... what I see myself doing long term.
1: Yeah, it, it would be nice. It would would have been easier when I lived in Michigan because I could have just literally drove across the border to Canada. But oh it's yeah, you, from you
2: could rent an, an office China. in uh, in um, whatever province of Canada is right across the border.
1: Yeah, would have been a lot easier. But mm-hmm. what can you do? Never mind. <laughs> so um, I wanted to go back to the WSOP. Bracelet a little bit because I think that's pretty fascinating. So it was in it was in the one k no limit event, correct?
0: Yes, sir. The Dreammakers, the one k's. And yeah.
1: had you played like a ton of events already by that time, or was that like early in the series?
0: Not a ton of events. So previous years, I have fired big portions of my bankroll, way too much at mini events, and burned myself out and not played my best. So uh, these days, I I think the best course of action is, at least for me personally, to do. Uh, Like two short trips, like week, week and a half, maybe two weeks on like the front or middle end and then for the main event. So I just fire up, uh, I think it's like maybe 10 or 12 tournaments. And uh, as luck would have it, that was the very last one I played. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then I flew home the next day and came back for the main event.
1: So you you didn't feel any um, like pressure or not even pressure, but like motivation to just stay and grind everything after winning you know, a nice big score.
0: <laughs> yeah. I talked to my buddies about it and, uh, there is kind of a mixed bag. I mean, there, rec- you know, there is something to be said for like the, the buzzword is like momentum and <laughs> momentum's like a non-existent thing, but something that does exist is you're in a really good frame of mind after you have recent success. It's a confidence builder. Um, you tend to not doubt yourself as much um i think you just generally tend to play your a game a little more often Uh so i think that's a real thing and worth considering but at the same time you know i hadn't seen my wife for a couple weeks uh i just want to be home and i think uh balanced life is uh just a little higher on my priority list so i decided not to go for the whole six-week grind
2: sure there's, there's a lot to be said for that but you i mean you're, you raise a good point there that momentum isn't really real but but confidence absolutely is you know and it certainly must be it must be a big boost to your confidence long term to have the bracelet in the bag and to know that you have the capability to to achieve something on that scale so does it make you kind of more motivated for the future poker wise
0: absolutely i mean even this year um not necessarily at the world series but i've been taking some shots like i went to florida for that 5k it's like 4 million guaranteed where they had an like $800,000 overlay, which was epic. Oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, I've been taking some shots playing uh, some bigger buying tournaments afterwards, and and it's really uh, loosened up my bankroll to play some bigger cash games locally, which has been uh, a lot of fun.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. So uh, how do you find, the the in terms of cash games versus tournaments, how do you kind of manage the um, the balance between those two? Do you have like a specific schedule on which you play each one, or is it more of a flexible thing? How does it, how's it all work for you?
0: Yeah, mostly – so this is actually something I've looked at recently um, in terms of making a schedule. I tend to be on the on the side of, like, not wanting to have too many obligations and, like, perks of self-employment, right? You, I want to be able to sleep in and go to work whenever I want. But at the same time, I, I recognize that I do better with structure. So we actually – me and my wife sat down and wrote out my schedule. And there's still a lot of flexibility in my schedule. Like on my work days, it says go into work between 2 to 5 p.m. You know, <laughs> there's not a right. it's not a punching <laughs> card, but it's good to know what days I'm going to be working, what days we have commitments with uh, family, friends, community, stuff like that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good strategy. I You were talking earlier about like sort of striking a work life balance. And as silly as it sounds, and I know there's going to be some like young 20 year old poker players who are going to laugh at this. I literally have a whiteboard hanging in my house that says the days I'm playing poker, the days that I have, you know, that I'm recording a podcast, the days that I have other TPE obligations, whatever. And my wife puts up all the family stuff, and, and it actually forces me at some point to, like, go out to eat with my wife <laughs> or, you know, spend a nice Sunday walking through the park, <laughs> which I don't think I would ever do if I did not literally have a whiteboard hanging
2: yeah, kitchen. and you know what's funny? I have the exact same thing, and it's right next to me right now. I have a, I have a big board with a flip chart and a schedule for myself for the next five weeks, and I have all my coaching sessions marked on it and all of this stuff because, like you say, if you don't manage that stuff, if you don't stay in, in, in control of it and on top of it, then it, it gets away from you, and you don't have any time to spend on the stuff you want to do. You know, So yeah. there's guys out there, like you say, the guys who are pretty young and who don't feel like they're at the point in life where they have to do that yet you'll get there, you know, 10 years from now it'll happen.
0: Yeah. Look at us being responsible adults. Yeah.
2: yeah exactly. It's Not a, not
0: exactly. as glamorous and uh, sexy as it, it seems when you're very young into poker, no, absolutely. especially if you're everybody's
2: young when they're, you know, when everybody's younger, everybody's 21, 22, they want to be the guy with 25 year old millionaire grinding poker, going around the world and all this stuff. And you get to 28 and you're like, Oh, I don't have the energy for that anymore. You know, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> It's also just sort of a nice courtesy to your significant other, you know, (laughs) to like let them know when you're going to not be available and when you're because what used to happen a lot was, you know, my wife would just be like, hey, you know, I told so-and-so maybe we'd go have drinks. I'm like, oh, I was just about to play or or I just fired up tourneys, you know. Um, So, yeah, I
0: just fired up this $3.3k. Sorry, honey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which that I would just I could literally sit out of. But yeah, (laughs) uh, and I'm not making that mistake ever again, by the way. I say that now. But <laughs> well, we, we've all <laughs> gone through
2: the process of misclick registering stuff, whether it's like accidentally misclick regi- registering some tournament that's so tiny that you would never play it or misclick registering something that's three times your usual buy-in. So <laughs> yeah, we've, yeah. we've all done that. Like I've misclick registered 1Ks when I meant to play a $100 buy-in and I've also misclick registered a $1 PLO tournament that, <laughs> that had like a $500 <laughs> prize pool, something like that. So um, so yeah, we've all. I think we've all been through that. We can sympathize.
0: No doubt.
1: Um, did you have a lot of friends out in Vegas? Like when you won, like were you staying with friends, were you doing the sort of house life during the World Series?
0: No, I'm I'm an introvert, so like after I get done with a day of being forced to sit at a table with 10 people, I'm like mm-hmm. I need my I need some me time. I need some <laughs> space. So, I very much usually get my own room. Uh the first trip I got an Airbnb, which was nice. I got pretty much my own apartment for the for the first uh, two weeks that I was out there, oh, yeah, and I, uh, I do have some friends. Like, um, as it turns out, uh, I had a couple friends that ended up were there and railing the final table. And then my my best friend lives in L.A., and I'm you know I'm giving him phone calls every night, texting him in progress. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm chip leader, you know all this stuff, <laughs> and he's like, all right. And him and his girlfriend drive out like going 120 miles an hour in a Prius to get there to watch me close it out. Oh, nice. Which means so that's much nice. to share that with, like, your best friend. Uh oh, no mm-hmm. doubt,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's
2: awesome.
1: What did your family, uh, my family, I mean, like, your parents and whatnot, what, how did they feel about the poker life, and did that change once you won the bracelet? <laughs>
0: uh, I think I was well enough established in poker that it didn't take any convincing at this point. Um, it, You know, it was a process of uh, getting them on board at the beginning, but for the most part, my parents are very empowering. They want me to pursue what I want to pursue. So, I mean, like, I dropped out of college and uh, moved to uh, Washington State and pursued poker. And, you know, they were very supportive, even back then when I had no idea what I was doing. And probably shouldn't have been uh, pursuing poker as much as I was. But uh, they're, they're very uh, supportive in general. And my wife, I mean, she moved across the country so that i could play cards
1: yeah that's pretty awesome you said you dropped out of
0: college i did i had a baseball scholarship and uh it was a little podunk college that you like drive past the cows and then you get in the college (laughs) and uh, the baseball team was nothing to write home about and i was not into the college thing at that point in my life so i dropped out right before i had to pay for classes And you've never gone back, uh, and and if not, do you ever plan to? I actually took a couple of courses when I was in Seattle, just like for no reason other than I wanted to go and learn something, and more just for enrichment, and I really enjoyed that. I actually never passed them because my grandma got cancer and had to fly back home, but uh, I think at some point I might – my wife always – my wife jokes that I'm going to go to seminary because she (laughs) she thinks I'm (laughs) – Because I'm, like, the religious leader of the home, and she thinks I'm just, like, way more intelligent than I am. But she always jokes that I'm going to go back to seminary.
1: (laughs) Well, that would be an interesting career change, professional poker player (laughs) to seminary. Yeah, I don't
0: know if we've had a, a pastor professional poker player before, but... It might happen. Who knows?
2: Well, you might, maybe you'll be the, the new Jerry Yang. You know, I know he did a lot of praying at the World Series final table back in, like, 2000s. <laughs> oh, right boy.
0: Now. I'm going to have to distance myself from that one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought you might somehow. I think most players have a bit of a desire to distance themselves from Jerry Yang, given how badly he played, but regardless <laughs> yeah, that, you know.
1: Not to mention the – I guess the, the one thing that people kind of would – criticize him for was the sort of like praying to win a specific hand and stuff sort yeah. of thing like super results opposed- oriented
2: praying. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a good way to put it. Results oriented <laughs> praying, as opposed to just maybe like let me make good decisions, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. I don't know, sort of interesting, but yeah,
0: um, I mean, it's a, it's a good. I mean, I could have a whole discussion about that. It's a, it's an interesting topic. There's there's some uh, some tension in the issues. But oh no doubt. Yeah. We saw it a little bit in our
1: Twitch stream last night.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Gosh. Yeah. It's always fun. Uh, speaking of Twitch, so you've started to to get on the Twitch grind a little bit. Um oh not a little bit. Actually, you've gotten pretty active at it. Uh how are you finding that so far and is it something you, you know, plan to stick with for a while?
0: I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. I started it just as kind of like a you know, I really enjoy being a viewer on Twitch and pre-world series I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna buckle down, and I'm gonna be playing huge buying tournaments. I'm just gonna grind online. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna start Twitch. This will be some kind of accountability. Like, I can even watch my session. So it kind of had some cool appeal there as a study aid as well. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, I was like, wow, this is kind of fun. Like creating content and interacting throughout my work day. So it just kind of naturally grew. And then of course, you win a bracelet, and that's a little little kickstart right there. No so. I think uh, I think I'm gonna give it a good effort, and uh, I think I have like 700 followers at this point, and probably need to get around 2,000 to have any legit shot at Twitch partnership. But I'm gonna give it a go, and I'm really enjoying it.
1: Yeah, it seems like you're on your way. I mean, I really I really enjoy the stream. I'm I'm kind of curious because it's interesting that you said earlier you're sort of an introvert and that you kind of like your alone time and stuff. So to to choose to Twitch and to have to talk to people the entire time you play seems almost like you know, sort of the antithesis of what you would expect from an introvert.
0: Right. Yeah. I didn't expect that when I, when I got into Twitch, I'm like, this could be really exhausting for me, but I found that interacting, like it's my channel, it's my creative license. And, you know, I don't have to engage in a conversation with this person. And I kind of get to set the mood of the interactions that take place. And I'm in the comfort of my home, like behind a monitor. So in those ways, it's kind of shielded me from that, like, exhaustive drain that maybe, like, constant interaction has, which has right. been nice.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. you? Sorry, do you get the same Twitch questions everybody else gets? Like, is this real money? Are you a gambling addict? All of this stuff. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Especially being an outspoken Christian, I get, like, you should be ashamed of yourself. They threw lots at the feet of Jesus for his garments. Uh <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow,
2: do you get like people quoting scripture at you and stuff?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, I get beat up with the Bible occasionally.
2: Wow, that's interesting. You must be one of the, only a few poker twitches that have that experience.
0: Yeah, I imagine it's pretty unique, but I, I welcome it. it. You know, there's good, and, good and bad things about being open with your faith, and I'll take all that comes.
1: Sure. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering, like, what, like, so I, I get beat up a lot for certain things. Well, not beat up, not literally beat up, but, you know, people come to my stream, they're like, oh, you're an alcoholic, or you're fat, or you're terrible (laughs) at poker. I'm trying to decide which would drive me more crazy, because at least, like, the things they're saying to me, like, aren't really that personal, like, not something I care that much about. Like, when somebody says, you're kind of fat, I'm like, well, yeah, kind of. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) like, I, I put on a few pounds, what can I say? But having your, sort of having your faith attacked on stream in front of an audience could I think actually tilt me way worse but you it doesn't seem to bother you I mean it maybe not bother you is the wrong word but you deal with it well it seems
0: uh yeah it's tough um it definitely is can be very hurtful and it is very personal obviously whatever your faith is is very personal to you but um I think in some ways it's almost a good opportunity to uh just witness to Christ and in how I interact with those, even those people that are attacking me. So, uh, and also, like I've done my fair share of beating people up with the Bible and misquoting scripture, and you know, I'm I'm far from perfect. So, uh, at the same time, you gotta you gotta not remove their humanity as well, even if they might be maybe removing yours. Right. Yeah,
2: well said. A lot more people on the um, internet should have that attitude. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Regardless of your
1: beliefs, right. Um, speaking of creating content, I do want to get a plug in for uh, your podcast. You were kind enough to have me on uh, as a guest. Tell uh, tell the audience a little bit about what you got going on with that.
0: Oh, of, thank you. Yeah, we we maybe. actually just recorded another episode uh, this morning, so the podcast is live and well. It's called Top Two Poker Podcasts. And uh, me and my best friend, best friend Andrew, who I was just talking about, drove 120 miles an hour in his Prius <laughs> to come sweat the final table. We decided, you know what? Let's make a podcast, and uh, it's kind of just been a fun project, and we've really enjoyed it. So uh, we welcome anyone to check it out, and uh, would love to get like some fan mail.
1: Cool. I'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes as well yeah, for people so to sure. uh, to check out. So is that? I mean, it kind of seems like you're starting to sort of branch out into these sort of poker related. Activities. I mean, do you have aspirations to turn those into sort of re- you know, revenue sources or is this more just like having a good time, having fun with a buddy, doing a podcast?
0: Uh, I think it's both. It depends on the project. Like the podcast is mostly just me and him uh, shooting the shit and having a good time. But I don't have any like getting these sponsorship deals are kind of a thing of the past. So I don't really have any high hopes for something coming of that. Um, if it maybe gets me, uh, a Twitch following, that's cool. There's definitely some positives that can happen for, for me personally. So, um, I'm just enjoying the process. So I think yeah. enjoying the process and putting out good content is really like, if you're after, if you're after that sponsorship deal, you're probably not going to get it. If you're enjoying what you're doing, probably have a better shot
2: mm-hmm. in a way being after a certain type of sponsorship deal or whatever like that. It's just another form of results orientation, really, because you're you're doing things that are intended to generate a certain outcome or result. When in reality, you don't control that. You don't you're not in charge of the people who work for the poker sites who offer the deals, you know. So it's no different than being like, oh, I'm going to make the best decision here. But secretly, I'm just hoping I'm going to suck out, you know, it's um, (laughs) it's 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 it's, um, I guess it's good to just focus on the process. And certainly with something like that, where you're doing it mostly for the enjoyment. It seems logical to, uh, to just look at it and say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy what I'm doing and, uh, whatever comes of it is, uh, is all good. So that's, uh, yeah, once again, I think. As far as level-headed guests go, I think you probably take the uh, take the championship for this one. So you've got biggest beard and most level-headed. So that's, oh, uh, wow. that's big two head, big good beard, titles take it. already. <laughs> and probably first bracelet winner, but we're not really sure. Maybe. We don't know. We'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> hey. I've actually been sort of processing in the back of my brain trying to think of one. I'm sure that we've had one, but I just can't figure out who it is. I should actually I, You know it what?
2: While we're talking, I'm going to load up the page of the list of guests that we've had, and I'm going to see if there's anybody on there that seems like they're a bracelet winner. Because I feel like Uh, we need to at least figure it out by the end of this podcast because otherwise we're (laughs) going to have to, like, raise raise the subject again next time we come along, you know. All
1: right. So, yeah, like, um, speaking – so you you mentioned doing the podcast more as a fun thing. I mean I I totally get it and I can attest to how much fun it is. I, I often say, like, if I didn't have all of these other responsibilities, I would love to just make podcasts all day long. Like it's so much fun to me yeah like, podcasts you,
0: are so mellow and easy to make you're just talking to someone and you record it, and it's like, boom, timestamp done
1: yeah like th- I mean this conversation is basically the kind of conversation I like to have anyway, like I, everything we're talking about, so uh, the only thing you'd have to do different is hit record you know I mean there's obviously some work to do afterwards too, but it's not much work and it's i I'm always sort of fascinated by the fact that people are going to hear this a hundred years from now, you know like <laughs> like like you're great. Grandchild is going to listen to this. And go, this is my great grandpa Chase. He was on this podcast a long time ago.
0: Back when he had a big beard.
1: Yeah, apparently he had a big beard and <laughs> was very level headed. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but yeah, I I find that whole sort of the content creation that aspect of the content content creation process super cool. So
2: that's very cool. I never really thought of it that way before. Um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Oh well, I so I figured out. Uh, I looked at the list of, of guests. Um, you, you were just beaten to the title of first bracelet winner by uh, Gags30, Mike Gagliano. Um, who... oh, Gagliano winning everything
0: uh, lately. Gosh, uh, that guy.
3: Who, he even uh, wins at that.
2: <laughs> even what, sorry?
0: I said
1: he even wins at that. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Being yeah. the first bracelet winner on the podcast.
2: At everything. Yeah, we had a couple of guys on who I'm actually kind of surprised don't have bracelets. Like we had Mormon. Um, we had uh, marc Andre Larusse. We had uh, you know uh, Max Silver, People like that, but none of those guys have bracelets, it seems. So, um, so Gags and yourself are the only two. Boom. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mingy hmm. mean, company.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah,
1: it's pretty good. Company. Um, so, uh, one of the things we we sometimes talk to folks on this show about is sort of the uh, like what their quote unquote grind setup is like, so I'm kind of curious I mean, I, we, I get to see it a little bit on your Twitch stream, um, but you know are you working off like seven 30 inch monitors, or are you just grinding on one small monitor, like what what's the general setup like?
0: Uh, man, the only thing I'm really lacking is a big office to to sit in in my glorious throne in <laughs> but I, I invested like, gosh, it's got to be almost $2,000 into my PC at this point And I'm just doing the dual monitor. My desk is too smaller. Else, I'd probably have three or four, honestly. (laughs) But, yeah, just a big, uh, I think it's probably about a 27-incher and then a 24-inch on the side going, like, uh, vertically.
1: Oh, cool. Oh, you're doing the vertical run. I like that, actually. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Nice. And how many tables do you generally play at once?
0: Generally, I uh, four-table if it's, like, early stream on a Sunday and I want to jam some, uh, volume in, I mean, volume on Twitch, it's hard to volume up on Twitch because you're being pulled in many different directions mentally. Yeah. So uh, I usually run four on my main, um, screen area and then all, uh, stack, like maybe three tables on the side. So like seven tables, maybe eight max, but that's really pushing it in addition to streaming.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you were you ever sort of a bigger mass multi-tabler, like, pre-Twitch? Were you grinding, like, 12 tables because you could just focus so much better?
0: Yeah, I mean, pre, pre-Black pre Friday, back in the heyday, when, <laughs> I mean, to my detriment, I, I would, like, 16-table every Sunday and just play as much as I could. Yeah. And it really stunts your growth, honestly. I think it was a pretty poor decision. But it was so much fun <laughs> when I was younger <laughs> and just firing everything.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that there was a, there was probably a time where you could do that pretty profitably, and it might not even have been right before Black Friday. It might have been like four years before Black Friday. But you because you could just play like good, solid, straight ABC poker and probably crush most tournaments. Um, but I think there came a time, either before Black Friday or after, where you had to pay a little more attention to what was actually going on at the tables, <laughs> and and fourteen, eighteen tabling wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and here's a, I think I've matured in this too, like. I don't want to be a break-even tournament player. That sounds not appealing at all. I want to. I want to be profitable. I want to be doing intelligent, making intelligent decisions, not just, uh, you know, running through uh, the emotional and mental power that I have, and then being empty at the end of the day. Right.
1: Do you find that that playing on Twitch? Do you think it makes you think through your decisions more, and possibly even play better?
0: I would say that there's some built-in accountability in that I have an audience. It's not just – I mean, that's not to say, like, I had a really terrible session last time I streamed. For one, I was running bad, and for two, I was just, like, over it <laughs> the last, like, two hours. But there's some accountability built in in that I want to play well, not just for me, but for my viewers. And I, you know, I don't want to look stupid either.
3: <laughs> right.
0: So, yeah, there is that built-in accountability, which is really, really helpful.
1: I, yeah. need to get, I need to get down with that not looking stupid thing, because I seem to do that a lot. But <laughs> normally in $3 buy-in tournaments at 7 in the morning.
2: Well, however stupid you're looking in $3 buy-ins, I can guarantee you most of your opponents are probably looking worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's good yeah. point.
1: Um, so let's talk a little bit about the future. What do you have coming up in terms of plans for, uh, for live poker and for online and, and even on the content creation side?
0: Well, for for Live Poker, I'm pretty stoked that the MGM National Harbor is opening up very close to me. I live in Maryland, and it's opening up in like Southern Maryland, right by Washington, D.C. And I think that it is going to be off the hook, pretty nuts.
1: (laughs) That's right. I've heard about this place. Is this the place that's right over the Virginia border? Yes. See, all my friends keep going, dude, we got to start going there. It's, really, it's so close. It, it's not, I, I guess it's not even all that much closer than whatever Maryland Live is or whatever, but it's, the fact that you don't have to get into the city at all, I guess, is what they keep telling me.
0: Yeah, I mean, traffic-wise, you guys avoid the D.C. to Baltimore traffic, which is depends on what time of day. It can be like a one-to-three-hour commute. You know?
1: Yeah, uh, that's amazing. I might, uh, I might have to see you there at some point then.
0: Yeah, dude, definitely come up.
1: When is that's that awesome. opening?
0: I believe December 8th. So we got one month and five days.
1: Wow. Okay, so that's pretty soon. Do you know if they're going to be running tournaments out of there, too, or is it just sort of giant cash game mecha?
0: Unsure. I actually don't know what size of the room is going to be. I've heard it's going to be like on the small to medium side, like, I want to say like 30 to 45 tables, which Mm -hmm. is a decent size, but I imagine the cash games are just going to be kind of nuts that they're not going to be a big tournament house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because Maryland Live is killing it, right? I, and this is amazing I've never been there. I just the only places I really go around here, casino wise, are Cherokee for the circuit events. But the, I think that's just because I'm more of a tournament guy and I don't really and you know, I don't really go play two five on the weekends or anything. So, but I, I hear they're just destroying it.
0: Yeah, it's probably behind the commerce. I mean, it's got to be probably the most action in the country. It's got to be close at least.
1: Yeah, that's amazing.
0: And the yeah. cash games. I mean that. Thank goodness I have a bankroll because the cash games have been off the hook. The ten twenty-five no limit is going multiple days a week. Uh, big like ten twenty-five mixed games with like PLO no limit. Um, you know a lot of tens of ten twenty-five plays with a straddle too, so it's more like twenty-five fifty. And I expect it's possibly even going to get bigger when uh, National Harbor opens. They might get some like twenty-five fifty no limit, maybe even like fifty hundred. Wow!
2: Wow! Times
1: they are a Yeah. <laughs> Live we're poker not- is alive yeah. and well.
2: Yeah, and then how about? I mean, sorry, carry on, dark.
1: Yeah, no, I was just gonna say. I mean, as crazy as this is to say, um, the World Series of Poker is only six months away.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sneaks yeah. up on you.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, it, it plans to head back out there again next summer and and get back on the, the hunt for bracelet number two.
0: Well, I of course have to defend my title in the 1K.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense.
0: Uh, I think I'm I'm not changing my game plan too much. I'll probably do a short to medium trip, maybe a week and a half at the beginning, middle-ish, and then uh, come back for the main event.
1: Very cool. Yeah, I, I like that strategy a lot, by the way, and I think I've talked about this on Tournament Poker Edge podcasts. Um, the whole going home for a little bit in the middle is, I think, crucial. I didn't do it this past summer because we had the Tournament Poker Edge booth, and that required my presence, but... Man, you, to get like a week or a week and a half in the middle to go back and like reset, re, sort of recalibrate and see family and just rest is amazing.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's just so much when you play poker. There's so much disassociation with money. You know, it's all chips and it's all you know. Once you buy in, that money's out of your hands. And to just like get back into your home environment, and back to reality, kinds of kind of brings it back into perspective. Of okay, I, you know, I'm not going to get quite as spewy here because I'm stuck twenty thousand on the trip.
2: <laughs> right yeah and you also after a while you like you play enough poker in a short space of time especially live you start like seeing suits in your head and stuff like you start like just having poker cards and hands flashing through your head all the time all, all hours of the day and night and you start dreaming about hands you haven't ever played you know so it's it's um yeah it's always good to disconnect just for that reason you don't fill your brain with all these poker influences that can kind of make it a bit hard to disconnect at times
0: you know agreed for sure you no know.
1: Well, very cool. We'll have to make sure and uh, and connect. Um, if if not at this new casino open in Maryland, then uh, then at the World Series this summer. It sounds like Matt will be out there as well. So yeah, we'll have awesome. a we'll have a reunion of sorts.
2: For sure, yeah, that would
1: be awesome. And, uh, maybe maybe like to celebrate uh, the win.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you, like you say, you'll have to uh, defend your title in that one K. You know, I don't know if yep. anybody's ever won the same World Series event back to back, but uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a fun one yeah I feel like oh, if you, uh, if, you win it, if you first you went back to back they, they should give you more than a bracelet they should give you like a title belt or something like uh, <laughs> a, a world championship of the World Series 1K and then uh, the next guy gets to like have this big belt ceremony or whatever but anyway that's just
0: me if you too. saw the main event bracelet this year it looked more like a belt that thing oh was ridiculous that it. was
1: crazy it actually is almost kind of I mean I hate to say this but it's almost kind of gaudy like it almost doesn't look cool to yeah me. I thought it was ugly uh, yeah, if, if, for people who haven't seen it, if you're listening, just Google 2016 main event bracelet World Series of Poker main event bracelet. The thing is just massive, and yeah, it looks like a belt or it's a it's, belt it's like, buckle, a, it's, yeah. like a, it's like a I don't even, yeah yeah it, that, that's the perfect description like a bad like ruby encrusted belt <laughs> buckle or something. Oh wow! Uh, not yeah, that I wouldn't
2: just looking at it, it, it is not. Oh geez, yeah. I'm looking at it. It's like the it's like the size of a fist. You know, it's like you yeah. never you would never wear that. That you're right. That no. is like a belt. Geez.
1: <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I'd like to have it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: But uh but man is it ugly. It look it, but it would it probably look pretty good on my on my uh mantle though. So uh-huh. we'll, we'll we'll take it next year. But
2: I I feel like they need to make a decision between making it a bracelet that's actually wearable and making it a full on like a like a WWE championship belt, you know, <laughs> like a, at some point they're going to have to, you know, make a pick a pick a choice, you know.
1: And it does seem to get bigger and bigger every year, so I don't know when they stop. Like at what point do you go uh eh. It's kind of big now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it, I mean, I, it's tempting as a as a non-American. It's tempting to say that America's instinct is just to make everything bigger all the time. So maybe there will be no limit. Maybe it'll just like. <laughs> Maybe it will just be human-sized in 50 years. Who knows? <laughs> we have all the biggest bracelets. <laughs> Everyone says we have the best bracelets. have the biggest everything, man. I, I went to America and I was like, why? Like, I feel like a smaller person when I go to America. Like, like not, not just like the, like the stores and the restaurants and everything. It's like twice the size. It's kind of crazy.
1: Not to mention our hamburgers and our soft yeah, drinks. And, <laughs>
2: yeah, and a decent percentage of the people. you know. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Guilty.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, well, very cool, Chase. I was, uh, I was stoked to get you on. Uh, we've been talking about it for a little while, so I'm glad we finally got a chance to make it happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely good to connect with you guys and uh, be on the pod. What an honor.
1: Cool, cool. Okay. Well, uh, we'll make sure and get you back on after you ship uh, the 1K again next yeah, summer. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do, it, we'll do it from
2: Vegas. It'll be great,
1: live and in person. Yeah, we we'll we'll keep I'll saying we're going to do that, but day. all the
2: pros are too busy in the summer, so uh, we'll have to find <laughs> at least somebody who doesn't say, yeah, we'll do it in August. Now, see, Chase has got a whiteboard, though. He'll just pencil <laughs> it on the whiteboard, and we'll be good <laughs> right. to go. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Well, very cool. Thanks again, uh, Matt. Thanks as always for uh, for joining us Thank as well. You, Derek. Thank you. And uh, thanks to you guys all for listening. And we'll see you guys back here next time on Midstate Living. Thank you, guys. Bye, bye.